want to get service, selection, and price so low. The record archive is the place to go.
All right, starting off episode 156 was BML with Screaming Meanie. And then after that was Viking Guitar with Bowels of Torment. Yes. And Viking Guitar, Mastermind, Eric Peabody is our guest today. Our last guest of season six. Yes. Wrapping up a season for us. Yep. Uh, but before we go into that, I have to wish you a happy national holiday. Oh, okay. Happy National 8-Track Tape Day. Really? Yep. Wow. In 1964, Bill Lear of Learjet Corporation, along with Ampex, Ford Motor Company, General Motors, Motorola, and RCA created the 8-track tape. I had no idea that many people were involved. Mm -mm. Hmm. Yep. The first player was released in 1965. I didn't know this. Uh, some people are still collecting them today. And apparently this media was really only like a, a relevant thing for like 20 years. Mm -hmm. Like it came and went. Yep. There's, um, I forgot who it was, but there's a current band. Uh, I think they're a U.S. heavy metal, power metal band um, that released one of their current releases on 8-track. And it was a year or two ago, I remember seeing that. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. It's at, it's, uh. Also, National Barbershop Quartet Day. Really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I need an 8-track player in my car, I think. <sighs> All right. <laughs> to celebrate your 50th birthday? Yeah. Yep. So before we get into our conversation with Eric, mm -hmm. I want to mention a f horrible movie that I forced you to watch <laughs> that just came out on Netflix. Called Metal Lords. Um, it's about a couple of kids that uh, are, are making a heavy metal band. They got to compete. Their goal is to compete in, at the battle to win. I'm sorry, the battle of the bands. At the end of the movie, and um, for some reason we watched the entire thing and were I don't know how or why completely appalled all the way through it. Yeah. It's horrendously bad. Um, there's a scene at the end where, near the end, where uh, Scott Ian shows up, Tom Morello, for some reason, <laughs> is in this metal movie. Well, I'm going to do metal as air quotes. Um, it's really like a bad teenage drama movie yeah a dramedy that's bad yeah um uh, rob helford makes an appearance and yeah. kirk hammett yeah yep and it's absolute utter dog shit so go out and watch it <laughs> all right let's go into our chat all right so, Eric, we met you, I don't know, how long ago was it? Six, seven? It was a few months. A few months ago? Less than a year. Less yeah. than a year. Fall? Um, 
fall, fall time? Fall sounds accurate. Yeah. I was I was chilly walking back to my car. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> um we planned on doing this for a while and we want to thank you for coming to talk to us. Yeah, sure. Happy to. Thanks for the invitation. Sorry it took so long. <laughs> it's it's excusable. <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank you. Um, can you tell the listeners who you are, what Viking guitar is, um, what you do? Yeah. I know there's there's kind of some offshoots to Viking guitar. That, yeah, that we can get into, but um, maybe just an overview to start with. Yeah, so um, I'm Eric Peabody. Uh, my online moniker is Viking Guitar, and that's what I release a lot of my music under. And primarily, what I do, um, I do audio production for a living. I do client work for that. But my own musical endeavors are primarily uh, thrash and death metal covers of old video game music, so mm. Mega Man and Castlevania, Legend of Zelda, stuff like that. And I do those solo just by myself. I also have a band that uh, we play that stuff live. We're spread across the country. So we usually meet up at gaming conventions and uh, events like that where we know everyone's going to be there. And that's where we do our full band performances. And we've gotten to perform at some larger events like PAX South, PAX East, um, MAGFest, and a few other things like that. So what is MAGFest? MAGFest, it's a music and gaming festival uh, that's based out of the Washington, D.C. greater area. Mm -hmm. It's been going on for, oh my, at least 15 or 18 years at this point. And uh, started small with just a couple hundred people in a hotel, and it's grown to a large convention event. I think the attendance last time was somewhere around 24,000 or 25,000. Wow. Whoa. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's grown from just you know, a bunch of people that are into video game music that wanted to coalesce in a certain place to having panels from different voice actors and tabletop game developers and indie video game developers and, you know, the the larger nerd cultures. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it's That fun. sounds like a lot of fun. It is. Yeah. Yeah. That's nice. cool. So uh, the Viking guitar stuff is the primary thing. I, I do some composing. Um, I've, I've done some composing for games and a few other things. I also do voice acting, um, narration work primarily. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called Chilling Tales for Dark Nights hmm. that I've been a regular narrator for for the last few years, as well as a few other podcasts, uh, HP Lovecraft literary podcast and a few other things like that. So Nice. Um, cool. Yeah, it's fun. It, it kind of evolved from me deciding I wanted to do audio as a means of supporting myself and then realizing, well, there isn't a whole hell of a lot of work in there. <laughs> so tried to diversify uh, my talent set to be able to appeal to a you know wider variety of opportunities that could come my way. That's awesome. Thank you. What did, what did you do before Viking guitar for like work-wise? Uh, it's been a long history. Um, I held a lot of different office jobs, um, stuff in the public sector, working for municipalities, um, a lot of stuff in the healthcare field, but all clerical, administrative type stuff. Um, most recently, before the audio work, I was managing a psychology practice when I lived in Pennsylvania. Um, practice with about 18 providers. I was handling all of their scheduling and billing and insurance reconciliation and IT support and supply ordering. And if a drain backed up, I was fixing it. It was, it was one of those types of things <laughs> where any, anything that wasn't requiring a psychologist, I was the one doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Did Viking you... guitar sounds way better. Yeah. 
Sorry. Thank you. It is. <laughs> I, uh, I miss the steady paycheck, but in every other way, it's far more liberating. I get to feel like I'm more myself. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have to wear khakis and a polo into work every day and smile at things that don't really deserve being smiled mm -hmm. at. You know how yeah. it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's much more fulfilling, too. It Meaningful. is. Yeah. Um, you know, I've, I've, it's interesting. I've had jobs where I've been in positions where people do actually benefit from what I'm doing, like with the psychology practice, you mm -hmm. know, helping people get insurance claims honored and stuff like that. That has a, you know, tangible beneficial yeah. impact on people, which was nice, but it drove me nuts. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it, it's just the type of job that even under the best of circumstances, it can be exhausting and tiring and you kind of feel like you're losing yourself doing it so yep. i'm very glad to not be uh doing that type of thing anymore mm -hmm. it's yeah. fantastic did did uh the people you worked with know what you did outside of work they did uh i've been lucky enough where all of my previous work situations uh when when the inevitable discussion happened <laughs> <laughs> um everyone was uh pretty it ranged from very enthusiastic and supportive to just, oh, that's interesting, which is <laughs> yeah. far better than uh, some of the reactions I'm sure people could get. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. never ran into a situation where someone decided uh, that was, you know, their invitation to save my soul or convince me I was doing something wrong with the music I listened to or anything like that. So it's it's been pretty mellow. Mm -hmm. Good. Mm -hmm. Yes. Good. <laughs> Because that could be pretty awkward. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sort of stuff has happened outside of work situations, of course, but it's easier to just walk away from a conversation when yeah. you're not tethered to a desk, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Or you have to act a certain kind of way. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easier to argue with someone when they're not the one signing your paycheck. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Viking Guitar... This is the band project, right? That's correct. Music. Yes. And then Viking Guitar Productions is your mixing mastering service. Right. Uh, Viking Guitar Productions basically is um, anything that I need to um, either report to the IRS or mm -hmm. you know use a business entity for. That's actually registered. Viking Guitar is uh, the name that I sort of stuck myself with by setting it up as an online handle in a music community when I was like 17. Mm-hmm. And that community ended up being where I started doing these game remixes and covers and stuff. And so it just kind of grew from that, even though it, you know, the term Viking guitar has nothing to do with video games. It sounds <laughs> really sophomoric and ridiculous, but here we are. It's what I'm known for as much as I'm known for anything. So That's a memorable name, so. Yeah, it, it works. works. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm guessing the music came before the mixing mastering. Yeah, in fact, um, it, it directly led to the mixing and mastering stuff. Mm -hmm. I, um, you know, I, I lived in California for the vast majority of my life, mm -hmm. and I played in a few bands out there. You know, I've been playing guitar since I was a, a young lad. Mm -hmm. um, but running a band can be difficult. Yeah. And out there, I had a few specific situations that uh, we're doing a quick aside here. I'm guessing swearing is not a problem. No. Here. Okay, yeah. Just want to double check. <laughs> Thank anyway, <laughs> I ran into a few situations where, you know, band members would vanish and then show up months later to apologize for, you know, impacting the band with their meth habit. Oh. And, yeah. you know, people that would show up and decide they were going to run the band now. And just enough situations where I went, this is not fucking worth it. 
at all. Yeah. So I'm like, screw all that. I'm going to write my own stuff. I'm going to learn how to record it. And then I'll find people that are interested in playing it. And, uh, that was a great plan until I realized that that's a lot of stuff to learn and everything I recorded sounded like shit. Uh, so slowly I learned more about the production side and ended up enjoying it a lot. And, you know, it, it's it kind of it's kind of neat because, you know, if you focus on one thing long enough, you start to sometimes get bored with it or lose interest. And the fact that I do my own stuff and do these game covers and production work and narration and all that stuff. It means that whenever I start feeling like one aspect of audio a little old, I can, you know, kind of focus on a different part of it. And then when I come back to one of the other things in a few months, it feels fresh and exciting, which is great. That's awesome. Nice. Um, I know you're a fan of Reaper, but can I, oh, ask, yes. yeah. <laughs> can I ask what you started off with? So way back in the day, my first music making experience was using uh, FL Studio back mm. when it was still Fruity Loops mm -hmm. version three. Mm -hmm. um, oh I, boy. I, I acquired a copy through dubious means, as I'm sure everyone did with <laughs> the early versions of Fruity Loops. Tried it out. Um, and I like electronic music and stuff. So mm -hmm. this was back in like 2001 and I was making trance, techno and stuff like that mm -hmm. and actually made a metal album with it. It was a nightmarish, horrible process at the time <laughs> that actually resulted in me stopping playing guitar for about three oh, years. No. It was so bad and it turned out, <laughs> it, oh God, it was just a fucking nightmare. Um, you know, I'm recording stuff onto a shitty digital recorder, running it into the line input on my computer sound card. Somehow that fucked up the files, so when I tossed it into Fruity Loops, you know, it would slowly drift out of sync with oh. the rest of the stuff, so I'd have to do periodic pitch changes to kind oh, of man. nudge it back. Yeah, it was a fucking mess. So, <laughs> yeah, anyway, so I did that, and then I stopped music for a few years <laughs> and then came back to it and uh, very briefly used a version of um, Cubase that came with this audio interface I bought, mm -hmm. hated it, and um, then discovered Reaper, which was not brand new at the time, but mm -hmm. still, this was like 2008, mm -hmm. and really liked it. Stuck with it, found it intuitive, and as my audio needs have changed over the past 14 years, uh, there's never been a point that Reaper hasn't been able to do what I need to do, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, scoring orchestral stuff to visuals or picture or doing mixing or mastering or audiobook editing or whatever. I, I use Reaper to run my uh, live amp sounds and backing tracks and visuals and stuff when I play live. Um, oh, that's cool. That's yeah. funny that you say that. Oh, really? Because <laughs> I was, I think right after we met you, mm -hmm. I was looking up, I searched something on YouTube about Reaper and live guitar you and came across my video, didn't you? The first you? thing yeah. popped up, and I was like, what? How did this happen? It's that asshole. <laughs> no, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, um, I'm a big proponent of it. It's, it's very capable. Um, I like that even though it's been around forever, it still kind of has this underdog status to it, which mm -hmm. is, you know, that doesn't actually matter, but it's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the devs are still regularly updating it and implementing huge new features and the demo version is free it doesn't expire when you actually it's got a 60-day trial period but right. you know after that you're supposed to buy a license it doesn't punish you for not doing it right. though and then when you want to buy it it's like 60 bucks mm -hmm. just 
that's it. You know, it's not like Pro Tools where, you know, every other night you hear them knocking at your door and peeking <laughs> in your windows right. and stuff like that. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th I th heard, I've heard that Pro Tools got a little better with us, but they used to be very proprietary with their hardware that worked with the software and reapers always kind of not cared what what hardware you're using you can use almost anything my experience with pro tools is limited to the point where i don't want to you know i, I can't intelligently speak towards the hardware requirements but mm. what i can say is that the times i've used it i found it very cumbersome mm -hmm. I, I think it was very um forward thinking at the time and yeah. helped you know complete a huge uh change in the industry um, but I think they got really comfortable being in that position. Yeah. Um, and their, you know, their subscription services and stuff are just not what I'm looking for. But as far as Reaper goes, um, yeah, every piece of hardware I've tried to use it with seems to work pretty well. Yeah. And, you know, the other nice thing about Reaper, for what it's worth, I will talk about Reaper for five hours if you let me. So yeah, stop me when it's time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's very customizable. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you can go in and write your own scripts and custom actions and just mm -hmm. basically make it work for whatever you need it to, yep. which is great. Yep. Yeah. We're actually recording on Reaper right now. Oh, that makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> we should be getting paid. I know. <laughs> So you said you lived in California most of your life. I yes. think you also told us that you were in Pennsylvania for a yes, while. Yes, I was. Um, I was in California up until about uh, middle of 2018, then mm. moved to Pittsburgh mm. uh, because uh, the Bay Area of California is very expensive and mm. I'm not in the tech field and uh, don't have a trust fund from my parents. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I came out, I was in Pittsburgh for a few years. Um, Lovely town in a lot of ways. Uh, wasn't a good fit for me personally. Um, and uh, I had uh, been dating a girl in Rochester here, and so this seemed like the logical place to try next. And I've been here for a few years, and I like it. You know, it's really? Been a, it's been a weird few years, you know, haven't well, been going yeah. out too much. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think the people in general seem nice. Um, it's not as claustrophobic as the valley topography of Pittsburgh is. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could have been missing this. I'm not digging, you know, saying anything negative about Pittsburgh necessarily. I just didn't, just I didn't not your find jam. the stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, mm. I like that out here. I see more murals and you guys have painted horses everywhere. And, yeah. you know, it, uh, it seems like an easier place to drive through also. If you mm -hmm. take a wrong turn, you don't end up over a bridge in another part of town and have to spend half an hour getting back. Hey, so, we, had, yeah. we had that experience. In Pittsburgh? Um, not in Pittsburgh. Oh. Jersey. Oh, yeah. Well, going to Philly. Yeah, we we went to Philly. Uh, GPS took us over a, a bridge that was a ten dollar toll. Oh God. no, it was twenty. Twenty. It was twenty two and twenty back. Oh man, <laughs> I thought it was ten two and ten back. That's nope. not good. Yeah, that's that's still unacceptable. But forty grand total. That's insane. Yeah, <laughs> I felt violated. Yeah. yeah. And it happened to another car of ours too. So I feel like they're in cahoots. Yeah. Yeah. With the maps or something. Yeah. It's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> they're bleeding you dry. Yeah, they get a kickback. <laughs> yeah, in Pittsburgh, I. Uh, it was funny because you know I didn't know the area when I first moved there, obviously, and. Um, you know, you're sitting at a stoplight and your map is telling you to make a right. 
but there's a button hook right you could make, or you could make a normal right, oh, yeah. or the right just past that is onto a bridge, yep. and then secretly there's another right just past the bridge you can't <laughs> see, and that's the one you yeah. have to take. <laughs> so, yeah, it was it was frustrating trying to navigate through there, not having grown up there. Yeah. 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 As we traveled more, we started to appreciate traffic, mm-hmm. um, and it is pretty easy to get around here. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear people occasionally complain about the traffic nope. around here. Oh, my God. I, I used to drive from Santa Cruz, California, down to L.A. to play shows and stuff, and that that is a nightmare. <laughs> this is a walk in the park. It's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I always wondered how people in California bought ice cream because it takes <laughs> it so long to get home. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm like waiting. I'm like, she's going somewhere with this. I don't know where it is. <laughs> Yeah. Like, do you have to have cooler bags? Some people do. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't buy ice cream enough, apparently. No? <laughs> That's funny. The things I wonder about. Have you been to any local shows since you've been here? Uh, yes. I, I've been to two local shows. One was, uh, at, uh, Montage. Mm. I was seeing a uh, surf band out of Syracuse called the Underwater Bosses, mm. um, who are great. They're a three piece. Um, I don't know how much of your audience likes surf rock, but they do killer instrumental surf rock. Um, I've been lucky enough to get to do some production work for them and they were great. And then more recently I saw that, uh, Cannibal Corpse revocation, um, show at anthology, anthology. Yeah. yeah and that was great third time i've seen cannibal corpse second time i've seen revocation um every band there put on a great performance and you know i think they skipped buffalo on that tour so this was the closest to a hometown cannibal corpse show they got it mm-hmm. was packed to the gills everyone was, it was sold out yeah most of the tour was but that it was just wall to wall in there yeah. and it was awesome they yeah. put on a killer show like always so. yeah nice yeah yeah, we didn't go. We heard everyone said it was great. Well, if you're fans of Cannibal Corpse, this is a really cool time to see them. Um, as unfortunate as it is that Pat O'Brien's no longer with them, mm-hmm. Eric Rutan is absolutely the first person I would have picked to replace him. Mm-hmm. And dude's an amazing guitarist, great mixing engineer, mastering engineer, and he, um, you know, he's got this incredible legacy of amazing death metal albums he's been on over the last 30 years, yeah. you know? So... Like uh, Morbid Angel's Gateways album is one of my favorite death metal records, and a large part of it is that kind of melodic but dreamlike lead guitar work mm-hmm. Rutan brings to it. Mm-hmm. And so seeing that in the context of Cannibal Corpse was awesome. Yeah. You know? um, and it's kind of just a cool culmination of things. You know, They just had a new album come out. It's doing really well. Mm-hmm. They did this sold-out tour and... You know, and on top of it, you know, Chris Barnes has been making himself look a bit like a jerk lately. So oh, all the I fans are like even more supportive <laughs> yeah. of Cannibal right now. So I don't really have a horse in that race, but it's it's cool to see the crowd finding all the ways they can to be stoked about being there. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was yeah. a great show. That's nice. awesome. Yeah. How that's about a, you guys? That's what? a cool venue too. Yeah, it was the first time I'd been there, but I, I enjoyed it. It wasn't too hard to get in. They had a dog sleeping on a mattress in there dog was friendly nice. <laughs> <That's a good laughs> <time>. have <laughs> you guys seen anything good lately um well we just had your birthday show had my birthday show yeah that was a lot of fun awesome um i was in some pain because i had a surgery but oh um other five than days that, before yeah oh my god <laughs> but, but it was good it was fun a lot of people came out 
You didn't uh, rip any stitches or anything? No. Okay, good. No, luckily. <laughs> yeah, everyone took care of them. Yeah. I, I sat in a chair for some of it. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for the closing band, we stuck them behind stage yeah, in that a was, chair. That was, that was cool. Yeah. I you, got you got good video from uh, that. Yeah, I did. Yep. We, uh, the la- one of the last times we did a full band Viking guitar show, the morning, it was at a large event, you know, and the morning of the show, one of our guitarists suddenly got a really bad stomach bug and mm. had to leave practice early and was thrown up all morning. And so we were like, okay, well, we're, you know, we have three guitarists in the band. So we're like, we'll find a way to make it work. Mm. But he's like, no, I got it. And so we... Had him on stage, and behind his Marshall half stack, we had a, a one bucket. of those a, a, one of those large like you know uh, trash bags, oh, you know. Yeah. And he was on a wireless, so you know if he needed to, he could just walk behind the amp and throw up as much Turn as he off. needed to, and <laughs> <laughs> just kind of walk back out and keep playing. <laughs> Did he have to use it? I don't think so. That's good. But as we were setting up. And I mean, like towards the tail end of setting up, you know, everything was set. We were just tuning our guitars and stuff. I couldn't find him. And I went and found him behind the stage and he was sitting against the wall with his head hung between his knees. And, you know, there's that moment of the first thing you think is like, there's no fucking way he's going to do this, you know, (laughs) like, you know, if you're throwing up or something, that's one thing. But sometimes it just like robs all your strength from you. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, he... He did a great job. He's still in the band. <laughs> so you said uh, that the other musicians from the band are spread out across the country. That is correct. How did how did you guys come together? Well, we're all basement dwelling nerds, and as such, we uh, spent a lot of time online. Mm-hmm. And with the um, the whole video game music cover scene, it's it's a very niche thing you know so um online communities were the way that a lot of us kind of found the other people that were interested in that and the other people doing music and that sort of thing and um when i was getting back into recording after i stopped playing guitar for a few years uh, i was having trouble with stuff just kind of figuring out how it all worked and all that and Mm -hmm. i found a blog post by this guy uh, grant henry who runs this other band called metroid metal and Grant had been courteous enough, probably because he got harassed so often by people online, he wrote up a blog post about, hey, here's how I do my stuff. People ask all the time, here's how it is. So I used that as a template to get myself going and in the context just reached out and I'm like, hey, that was very helpful to me, thank you. And the dude was super nice and courteous and so about a year or two later, I hit him up again to do a guest spot and that was kind of the the seed of the whole project. Um, I had a couple albums released and within that community, they did fairly well. And people were asking me when I was gonna put a band together. So I reached out to him to see if he was interested in guitar and uh, talked to a few other people um, that I will absolutely name drop right now because they deserve it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Ryan Postalwaite, who also plays bass in the band Byzantine Mm -hmm. is our other guitarist. Those are uh, the three guitarists. Grant has a brother named Adam Henry, who's an amazing jazz and death metal drummer, and uh, he plays drums. And another mutual friend of ours, Dan Taylor, who runs his own rock band called Yes Mayhem, um, is in North Carolina, and he plays bass. And we knew that we weren't, you know, going to be playing shows all the time. There isn't really enough local demand in any of the places we lived. Hmm. So we're like, well, we can 
pick whoever we want as long as we know everyone's going to be together at these events. So that was cool. It kind of removed a lot of the guesswork with starting a local band yeah. where, you know, you have to find people with a similar schedule and, you know, the right talent level and they're not hooked through the bag on heroin or yeah. meth or something. And yeah. So um, it was nice. I, you know, I had this largely expanded geographic area from which I could pick the people I wanted to have instead of just taking, you know, the best of what was available locally. Yeah. And it worked. We, um, you know, we all do our own recording, which was nice. So we could easily, you know, share project files and that sort of thing. And we set up a set and we practiced together for the first time unplugged in the hotel room the evening before our first show. Shut up. That's <laughs> wild. And we went out there and it fucking worked. And it's it's been great. It's it's great to have reliable people. Yeah. So yeah. Adults. Yeah. It was funny because we all, you know, we'd all like a number of us had met separately, and obviously, you know, Grant knows his brother and all that. But uh we were showing up at the event and we're all getting in at different times. And I remember Grant was already there and our, our other guitarist Ryan showed up and it was the first time they had ever met. And Grant sees him as like, dude, we're in a band together. <laughs> and it was just like uh, this moment where I'm like, oh God, there's no fucking way this is going to work. But then it absolutely worked. And that was in 2014. And, you know, we don't play a tremendous amount of shows just because of the logistics, but we have a few more coming up this year. Uh, that unfortunately I can't announce yet. Um, but it's still going strong, you know? So eight years feels pretty good for something weird like this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, we have fun with it. Yeah, that's important. Uh-huh. Do you have any prospects or interest in um, doing anything locally? Yeah, very much so. Um, I, I'm i a very uh, curmudgeon old person for being in my late 30s, and so it's uh, it's been tough for me to get out to evening shows, but uh, the plan is to start doing more of that now that the weather is going to start getting warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been putting out feelers. Um, you know, I've reached out to a few uh, people that do booking at venues, and no one's gotten back to me, which I completely understand, because who the fuck am I, you know? Um, but the plan is, uh, with my, my solo shows that I do, it's a pretty mobile, easy to set up setup. Mm-hmm. And so I've heard that um, Bugjar and a few other places sometimes have open night, uh, I'm sorry, open mic events. Mm-hmm. Could be mistaken on that. My plan is once I have some time, I'm just going to go show up and plug in and play some fucking Zelda and Mega Man X and see if people are interested and then Love slowly it. start building it from there. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. weird because I had, uh, I'd been playing enough in California that I had a pretty decent following out there and knew... You know, if I wanted to play a show, I knew who to reach out to and could set it up. And it's kind of kind of weird to be starting over, but it's also kind of a neat challenge, you know? It makes yeah. me feel like, well, I have a chance to actually prove myself again instead of just, mm-hmm. you know, resting on my laurels. <laughs> yeah. And if anyone out here listening has been spending the last six months waking up in the middle of the night going, where the fuck am I going to find a solo video game guitarist to open for my set? Look no further. <laughs> I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's go back to Viking Guitar Productions for a second. Yes, happy to. Um, Is there a specific genre you focus on? Most of what I do is in the hard rock and heavy metal realm, for obvious reasons. Um, A lot of the uh, music I do is specifically in that video game uh, hard rock realm because, you know, I know a lot of people in that world. Um, But... 
I've done a lot of stuff. I've done mixing and mastering for live jazz bands, for string quartets. Um, I recently finished um, mixing and mastering an album by a alt-rock band out of Ohio called Artificial Astronaut. That's uh, very good. It, it feels kind of like um, Incubus, sort of, but with a harder edge, radio rock, great vocals. Um, the way I have it phrased on my website is no project is too small, too big, or too weird. And some people have really pushed the boundaries of that, uh, the weird <laughs> definition. But I enjoy that stuff, you know. I've, I've been doing this for over 10 years, so like, and you know, with most of my work being in guitar-oriented heavy music, you know, I kind of know how to get that to sound a few different ways that people generally like it to sound. Mm -hmm. But um, there's one fellow I work with out of Pittsburgh that uh, goes by the name of Fuzznot, and he does these ambient uh, Doom-influenced... Doom, the subgenre of metal, not the video game necessarily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but, you know, Doom soundscape projects with a lot of drifting guitars, and uh, it almost sounds like... Um, bell witch sort of mm -hmm. or something similar but no bass mm -hmm. um so that's interesting you know because not only are you working with a much more restricted palette of sounds um but you know the the recordings you know a big part of his creative process is recording everything live with pedals and so when stuff comes to me you know there are already a lot of decisions made about how to process it that can't be undone yeah so I love stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I love having a chance to be like, okay, this is actually going to, you know, make me think about this differently instead of just like, yes, we know you want a clicky kick. Yes, we know you want, you know, a certain amount of scooped in the rhythm guitars. Don't worry, I won't overdo it. You know, all, all the standard fare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you like both equally or, or do you like uh, mastering more than mixing? Or It depends entirely. Um, a large number of my clients are kind of doing this on their own. And I, I guess the way to answer it is I, I enjoy mastering uh, primarily when I'm working with a competent mixing engineer, whether that's the artist themselves or someone else. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that the boom of home recording software and hardware and accessibility over the last 20 so years has been wonderful uh, because it's allowed a lot of people to get to express themselves musically that before financially or technically wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Mm. Uh, the downside is that there's a lot of misinformation out there and um, a lot of people that are just kind of learning this piecemeal, which mm. is fine. Mm. That's how I learned it also. Mm. Um, but this is one of those fields where the Dunning-Kruger effect really hits hard. You know, you have people that acquire a small amount of knowledge and either through nefarious means or not decide that they know a lot about what they're doing. And it's only after they learn a lot more that they realize, oh shit, I don't know much about this. Yeah. You know? um, so one of the, uh, the aspects of that that can be frustrating is uh, some people have come to the conclusion that mastering as the final stage in the audio production process is able to fix any of the deficiencies in the earlier parts of the process. Yeah. Which, you know, there are things that can be done, but it is absolutely not best practice to just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and then leave it to your mastering engineer to make it sound good. Yeah. Um, so uh, 
I do enjoy mastering a lot and in situations where I'm working with a mix engineer that is uh, talented and experienced or if it's something I've mixed or, uh, you know, has come from a few people I frequently work with, I think that's great. Mm -hmm. I, I like hearing how other people approach projects um, and I like being able to put my finishing touches on it. Um, but most of the mastering jobs I do just by the nature of what it is are really two phase where the first phase is, okay, here's everything I would recommend you fix with your mix first, mm -hmm. which is usually a, a longer back and forth process. And then the actual mastering is after that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that answer the question? I kind of went on a yeah. tangent. No, there. that was a good tangent. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think, um, with the uh, kind of limitations or requirements for sound levels with the what the new streaming services want for their uploads now, do you think that has put an end to the loudness wars that went on forever? We're talking about the negative 14 lefts thing yes. and all that. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I don't think there's going to be an end to the loudness wars. Mm -hmm. um, and that's my clever way of dodging the the underlying question about whether you should or should not aim for negative 14 okay. for Spotify and other things. There are conflicting opinions about that. Yeah. Um, all I'll say is that I have never had Spotify on shuffle and heard something I've produced come up after something else that another artist has produced. I've never had that happen and felt like what I have aimed for with overall loudness levels has caused a problem. Mm -hmm. Either by you know causing spotify to reduce it or you know aiming for something that maybe is lower than what i should have i i think that there's a lot of um snake oil in that yeah and i will i will not say what direction i think the okay. snake oil pushes <laughs> Fair enough. but i will say that if anyone listening to this does want to talk about that stuff in detail i'm absolutely happy to do that i think that was a fine answer yes thank you a politician's answer <laughs> <laughs> Do you, can I ask, not to get off uh, I'll go ahead. too much in the weeds, but do you have, I have two questions with us. Do you have, first, do you have uh, some favorite amp sims for, yes. for the computer, for oh, yes. plug-in? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm a big amp sim guy. Um, so I, I still, on a lot of my recordings, end up using old Line 6 Pod Farm. Mm. Um, not that it's the best out there, but uh, there are certain things it does that it just does well. A lot of my clean tones on most of my releases, um, I end up using Podfarm for. Uh, the neural DSP stuff, it, it's almost a trope to mention how good it is, mm -hmm. but it's really good. Mm -hmm. um, the, uh, the Mercurial Audio stuff is also really good. That's what I use primarily for my um, live performances, though I might be switching that up soon. I just haven't. I haven't hit the point where I want to go through and redo all of that work. Um, I will say this, though. Uh, as far as amp sims go, and I actually have a YouTube video about this, uh, to anyone listening that thinks amp sims are not capable of getting what they want or they're uh, frustrated working with them and feel like they just keep hitting a wall where shit doesn't sound as good as they want it to or, you know, the classic situation is, well, I saw this guy on YouTube and he played this and it sounded great and then I bought it and it sounded like shit. Mm. Um there's a lot of stuff that can be done to fix that. Um, right off the bat, the cabinet impulse you use is going to be way more impactful on your overall guitar tone than what amp sim you're using. Mm. And 
A lot of your problems with it sounding too digital or fizzy can probably be solved by adjusting the input level of the guitar signal before it hits the amp sim. Um, whether you do that uh, on the input level on your interface or afterwards, you know, um, before it hits the sim, as long as it's not clipping on the way in, adjust that stuff down to the point of inaudibility and then slowly raise it up as you're playing it back and you'll, you'll hear the sweet spot and it's probably less loud than you need it to be. Nice. Once again, this is something I could talk about for hours. Yeah, thank so. <laughs> you. Thanks for that advice. Sure. Um, do you have an opinion on the positive grid or THU stuff? Do you the, use any of those? The THU stuff I haven't used. Mm -hmm. um, positive grid, I, I frequently use in conversations as an example of good marketing. Um, I... Uh, I remember when that was new and it seemed like I woke up one day and everyone online was talking about how positive grid bias or bias effects was going to be the product of the next generation of guitar tones. I've never gotten anything I've really liked out of it. I know other people have, mm -hmm. um, but I've had a number of projects I've mixed and mastered where people have sent me stuff uh, that was either recorded through positive grid mm. or you know they would send me three different tones they recorded through and without fail the positive grid ones have been the ones that i've liked the least mm. and that's not just in terms of does this sound good but also in the context of how will this work in a mix mm -hmm. um like i said i could just be setting it up wrong i'm not great at everything obviously but i absolutely would not buy another positive grid product unless i i heard some reliable um accounts of it changing from how it currently does its dsp processing Mm -hmm, no. mm -hmm. just me um that's a good point about how something something could sound great on its own but not work at all in a mix oh absolutely you know? yeah so that, i think that's that's a really good point yeah i was uh i was actually listening to and justice for all on the way over and thinking about good guitar tones and then good guitar tones to mix with and <laughs> that whole thing uh -huh, uh -huh. <laughs> so <laughs> My turn? Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, do you have any influences that kind of stick out in your head musically? Yeah. Um, just in general or from a writing standpoint, a guitar standpoint, a production standpoint? Yes. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I see. Um, first and foremost, I'm a guitarist. And I, you know, I grew up in the late 80s and... 90s and uh, was lucky enough to have gotten exposed to a lot of the stuff that came before that. Um, so old Sabbath, obviously, um, the first heavy metal album I heard that made me think I need to play music was the Black Sabbath Live Evil album mm. with Dio singing, and I was blown away. Mm. Um, I still love all that stuff, uh, all of the 80s... Um, operatic vocal style hard rock and metal and big iron maiden fan and judas priest um surprisingly not as into power metal these days though there are bands i really like um but you know all of the 80s thrash stuff the big four testament is a huge group i'm into um then moving forward joe satriani uh was probably one of the first musicians i heard that made me go wow guitar can actually be 
an incredibly emotive art form and not just something to slam on and be angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and also just in terms of personality, he is one of the coolest fucking dudes. I, I saw him live in San Francisco at the Fillmore years ago, and he came out himself to introduce the opening act. And, oh, nice. you know, this was in like 2002 or something. So the guy was already super famous. Yeah. But every moment he was on stage, he just looked so fucking jazzed to be able to be up there and doing it. And on top of it, the guy's an amazing musician, mm. you know, so he's a big one. Um, as far as more modern stuff, um, the last couple of Anthrax albums have been pretty big for me. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I know there's been a resurgence of thrash stuff over the last 10 years or so, and there's a lot of good stuff out there, but um, that For All Kings album by Anthrax in particular made me start looking at thrash again and not just being like, oh, I remember when it was good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, love Cannibal Corpse, love Morbid Angel, uh, Revocation. Um, I've uh, fallen in with a group of lovely metal Twitter people lately, so every week I'm seeing them post new stuff. Um, newer bands, uh, Hath is a band I've really been enjoying lately, and they're coming through here soon, I think. They are. April yeah. 24th. Yeah. Um, this guy's playing that show. Oh, are you playing that show? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was already planning on trying to make it, but right. now I'll go more. I'll heckle you. <laughs> yeah. um, you can come see my bad bass playing. Stop. Oh, come on. You don't do self-deprecating around here. <laughs> right. No, um, Hath I really like. There's a, a band out of Florida called Wharf Lurch um, that's this kind of psychedelic uh, death metal stuff with mm -hmm. synths, um, synth work. Sulfur Eon is a, I don't know how new they are, but I've really been enjoying them. Um there's a, I think, I don't know if they're German or French, but a band called the Necromancers that has, uh, it's not, you know, death metal, but it's really hard, driven, uh, really good. I saw it described as, it's got a lot of good Satan-worshipping riffs in it. And I listened to it, and I'm like, yeah, this does have a lot of good <laughs> Satan-worshipping riffs in it. Um, so I've been into them. Um, and, you know, as, as much as I, I know some people will turn their nose at it, I was in my late teens in the late 90s and early 2000s, and I was very much the target demographic for a lot of the new metal stuff. Mm -hmm. And I still fucking love Static X. I love mm -hmm. Slipknot. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of terrible stuff from that era, but there's a lot of good stuff, and mm -hmm. uh, some of it is just you know nostalgic association. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. You know, yeah. I still enjoy that. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, I won't. No shame here. I won't. I won't bore you with the horrible <laughs> things that I like. Love. You got a closet full of Junko oh. jeans somewhere, don't you? No, I don't. That, that, <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> awesome. You had uh, parachute. I had pants. parachute pants. Yeah. I'm there you older, go. So. Yeah. It, it's it's an apples to apples thing. It's just you know eight years difference. <laughs> Let's take a brief pause and check out a Viking guitar live song, "Tales from the Crypt."
would you say you're most proud of musically? Um, on one hand, I'd say just that I'm still doing it and I've been able to, you know, make it a, a career. Mm-hmm. I very thankful for that. I know it's, it's not something that, um, works for everyone. And I know a lot of people stop playing music in whatever capacity they were doing it. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't blame anyone for that, but I'm, I'm very grateful that I still get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, on a more tangible level, uh, that artificial astronaut record I mentioned is one of the ones that I feel most proud of from a production standpoint. Um, and just, you know, I've, I, I've been lucky enough to end up in this weird video game music scene and, um, you know, through whatever luck or talent or whatever, I, you know, I'm not so full of myself to assume it's just me, but I've, I've been in a position where I've been able to help other people get into this stuff, to teach them about recording and, um, you know, help them with arrangements and production stuff. Um, we played an event at uh, PAX East back in 2017. Um, PAX is Penny Arcade Expo. It's an online webcomic about nerd culture and stuff, but that's a, you know, multi-thousand person attendee event. And uh, we were at the merch table selling merch after the show, and a dude came up and started to talk with me about a series of YouTube videos I'd put out about getting started with Reaper. Mm. And he's like, I want to talk to you about how to set up sound panels in my room and all this stuff. And he and I have been friends for like five years since now. And oh, he, that's um, cool. He just put out an album earlier this year that uh, is a, a metal uh, reimagining of the soundtrack from a PS4 game called Bloodborne, which mm. is a killer fucking game. Um, and it uh, it won an award at a local video game music festival. Nice. And so I'm like, you know, obviously that's his accomplishment, mm. but the fact that, you know, in any capacity I was there to kind of help make that happen, you know, however minimal, that feels good. Yeah. yeah. Um, because especially, you know, growing up as a metalhead, I think there's a, it, it's a lot easier now, and I didn't have it as bad as some people did back in the 70s and 80s, but I think there is still a lot of, you know, cultural, if not stigma, just, you know, certain assumptions about it. Mm-hmm. And I think back to the times that I had, uh, I had been expressing interest in it and would have people say something flippant or dismissive or something like that, and, you know... Fuck, I still remember some of that shit people were saying to me when I was 15. Yeah. You know, that was 23 years ago. Yeah, yeah. And so it, it just makes me feel like what I want to do is try and be the person that I wish I had run into back then. Yep. And seeing something like this makes me feel like, wow, I actually was able to do that this time. And That's that, awesome. That I feels like that. really cool. Yeah, yeah. I like yeah. that a lot. Yeah. I'm sure there are people I've talked to also that are like, God, that guy was such a dick. I don't want to do this. (laughs) I doubt that. (laughs) Not that they would tell me. (laughs) Um, If you could dream up the perfect musical project, what do you think it would look like? There are a lot of answers to that question. I know, it's a big question. Yeah, we'll we'll do the, the shitty one first, which is I would love to be involved in a project that um, paid enough where I didn't have to actively be looking for work for the next six months. Okay. So on, on a fair. strictly career-based thing, that would be awesome. Yeah. Um, I would, uh, I would love from a from more personal standpoint, um, I'd like to be able to take the band 
that I have right now and dedicate four or five months to all of us being able to go somewhere, focus on writing an album of original stuff, not the video game cover stuff, but things that bring all of our individual inspirations and talents and inclinations together, write and record it, and pay someone else to fucking do the production on it because, you know, <laughs> that's always a luxury when you don't have to be hitting the record button and playing guitar, you know? Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, but that would be great. I love the guys I work with. I love all of the music they put out individually. And as great as it is to play together, I always feel like I'm doing them a disservice by being like, all right, here's how we make, you know, um, something like fucking Final Fantasy sound like an Iron Maiden song. You know, yeah. that's fun, but it's, it's something we do. And yeah. we've kind of got a process down and stuff. And I feel like it doesn't really utilize um, all of the talents and... Um, musical personalities of the people involved. So that's what I'd love to do. If, if money wasn't an issue, that's what I would do starting today. What do you think that would sound like? I don't know. And it's, it's really a trip because we're all into metal, but, you know, our bassist, um, you know, he, he uh, is a few years older. He was seeing, you know, Slayer and Metallica back in their heyday, but he also listens to a lot of stuff like, um, you know, uh, Modest Mouse and, you know. Yeah. Um, Tarkus and like weird 70s prog stuff, you know, and our, our other guitarist Grant, um, you know, listens to a lot of um, other just random stuff. You know, he's sending me these weird like uh, jazz fusion band things and he's he's big into, oh, the live version is always better, you know, and stuff like that. And then our our drummer is huge into Gojira and Meshuga and our, you know, our, our other guitarist, um, you know, is into Crowbar and... Um, just oh, a ton of that stuff. It's all over the place. Very dynamic. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, you know, in terms of like death metal and black metal and stuff, I'm definitely the one that's more into that. So I think it, I have no idea what it would sound like, but I'd love to see, yeah. you know, I'd, I'd love us to have the chance to not have life distractions so we could really go down our individual rabbit holes of music and kind of bring it together. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But in answer. the meantime, you know, yeah. bills have to be paid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a, if you could just pick one, do you have a, like, all-time favorite guitar player? Ooh. All right, two. Uh, man, well, there's so many <laughs> angles to pick it from. If I had to pick one, yeah. it would it would probably be Joe Satriani. Mm -hmm. His, the, the level of talent, the versatility, um, he's been around for a million years at this point and keeps putting out great music, mm -hmm. and... Um, the personality is a big part of that too. Mm -hmm. um, you know, in different realms and areas, like I think Alex Skolnick is one of the greatest, you know, thrash guitarists around. Yeah, and he does stuff besides thrash. You know, mm -hmm. but that's just one facet of music playing. You know, mm -hmm. um, Eric Rutan is amazing. I still watch instructional videos or videos of him in the studio, and I'm like, I could practice that for years, and I still couldn't do it. You know. <laughs> um, Dave Davidson from Revocation. I know I'm mentioning the same bands over and over, but, you know, he's a Berkeley graduate and does all sorts of really interesting changes in his music where it really fluidly shifts from one emotional sphere to another. And then, you know, even on, on the other side of the spectrum, like, you know, fucking Wayne Static, you know, the guy knew what his limitations were. He got up there and he's like, no, I'm just going to write fun, heavy music and I'm going to be absurd on stage and it's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and it was, you know. And 
you know, to his credit or detriment, you know, he ended up marrying a porn actress that was 20 years younger than him and then died a few years later. And I don't think that's how I want to live my life, but I, you know, if that's what he was going for, I mean, like, (laughs) shit. Nailed it. You know, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Ton of great musicians out there. It's, I mean, hell, even, even if we limit it to, um, one genre or one span of years or hell in some cases even one band i mean how many amazing guitarists have gone through megadeth you Mm -hmm. know that's true it's impossible but satriani would be the one if you held a gun to my head that's who i'd say what about you yeah me hmm it's got to be one or two do i get two you can get two because you gave eric two i listed like five (laughs) (laughs) um i'm very drawn to Jason Becker. Oh, for, I knew oh, you were yeah. going to say that. Oh, yeah. A couple of reasons. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think if I have to pick one, it's him. I really love Paul Gilbert, too. Um, and then, like, L.D. Mula, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, and there's a lot. It's hard. A lot of times I'll ask questions, and I think, I wouldn't want to answer this question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can pick just one. Yeah. God, Jason Becker in particular, I mean, the guy is still making music in the face of such incredible you know, situational adversity. Mm. It's, it's beyond inspiring. Yeah. 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 Definitely. We Did talk- you watch his documentary? Sorry. I'm sorry. No, I, I didn't yet. I've been meaning to, um, it's on the list as are many oh. other things. The feels. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it was like, it sounds cheesy, but it was like life changing for yeah. us watching yeah. that documentary. No, yeah. I, I believe it, you know? I mean, the fact that he and Marty Friedman were doing the cacophony thing, and obviously Marty Friedman has gone on to be a hugely respected musician and hasn't had an incredible career. And, you know, Jason Becker would have followed a similar trajectory, I'm sure. Not in terms of like specific goals and stuff, but Mm -hmm. in terms of how he developed the, you know, the way that all guitarists in the world think about playing their instrument. You know, he already had done that and he you know was able to play for a relatively small number of years it's mm-hmm. it's amazing yeah mm-hmm. so i should watch that you, yeah like it's so inspiring it, yeah it's really good yeah <laughs> it's it's great and sad and heartbreaking it, yeah, it's a and, lot of things yeah i'm i'm big into music documentaries as, as much as i'm a big metalhead rush is my favorite band of all time by like a pretty wide margin and they have a Amazing documentary out that I watch every year or two, and every damn time I'm tearing up in parts yeah. of it. So, yeah. <laughs> they're just such awesome people. <laughs> um, what do you think of Chiptune? I think, I think that Chiptune is an amazing palette of sounds to use in music, and I, I think that. It's really good that we're finally getting to the point where it's not uh, just dismissed out of hand. The whole, you know, referring to it as bleeps and bloops thing Uh is, you know, kind of a a no-no at this point, which I think is a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Like any uh, musical sphere or realm or whatever, um, I think chiptune is more, like I said, a a palette of colors than it is a genre in itself. but I find I appreciate it most when people are really using it to do new and interesting things. Um, there's a, a fellow um, in Canada, a Canadian um, chip musician uh, that goes by Heos Foros, who does this amazing thrash metal type stuff that's all chip. And 
the dude's great at what he does, you know. Um, and being tied into the video game community, I know a lot of people that do chip music either primarily or as elements in, you mm. know, what would be considered another genre. There's a lot of awesome people doing that stuff. Um, there's a guy by the name of Danimal Cannon who's out of Buffalo um, who does a uh, somewhat similar thing to I do um, with solo performances, and he plays guitar over these uh, chip backing tracks that he's actually programmed in with the Game Boy. You know, he's not using VSTs in a modern DAW or something like that. Um, so I, th I think it has a lot of potential. I think just like any uh, stylistic bent or instrument, um, there's a certain number of stuff that's put out that I'm not so into, but that's fine. You yeah. know, I don't have to be into everything and stuff I don't like is stuff other people do like. Yeah, you know? mm -hmm. and that's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For now, until I'm in charge, damn it, then it all changes. <laughs> what do you think of chiptune? I was surprised to hear that question. I don't get chiptune mentioned much from no. people that aren't... Uh, um, it's something know. I'm very intrigued by, but I don't know a ton about. Kind of like, I know um, that's not really a good comparison, but like Dungeon Synth. Oh, yeah. Really like that. I'm really intrigued by it. I would like to create some of that stuff but i'm not i don't know I, i'm i'm a very novice when it comes to that well the cool thing is it's a great time to be a novice at something you're interested in because there's great resources out there to learn that stuff um, truth there there's a guy by the name of francis roberts um i forget if it's roberts or robert if you're hearing this i apologize <laughs> um He's uh, out of San Diego. He plays um, guitar in a few bands I've um, been associated with. Um, King Gorm is one recently um, that's been pretty good. Um, but he, he does Dungeons and stuff also and has a whole YouTube series on it um, using only stock Reaper plugins. Oh, nice. So that's a, that's a nice little middle point of the Venn diagram of Reaper and Dungeons and stuff. So I'll send you a link later if Thank you're interested. You. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do you... Uh not to go back into the plugins again. But no, let's do it. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to run to the bathroom then. All right, all right. <laughs> I know. What do you. The Reaper stock plugins are pretty good. Yes. I know there's some people that are like, that's all I use is the stock plugins. But I think most people use maybe some of the stocks, but mm -hmm. other stuff too. Um, do you have. Do you have some favorite, like, maybe overall plugins, mix bus plugins that, that you use? Yeah. Are, are we talking just from the Reaper native stuff or uh, just in general? In general. Reaper or, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Um, well, from the Reaper stuff, um, their EQ and compressor, uh, Re-Q and mm. Re-Comp, um, I use very regularly. Um Believe it or not, even though I've been producing for years and years, I only recently bought my first FabFilter product, um, Pro-Q3, nice. which has uh, ended up being my go-to instead of Re-Q, um, but it's just because I I find the workflow a little quicker with it. Mm -hmm. um, Reaper has a great multiband compressor I use all the time, and their gate is great. Yeah. The gate is great. Using it right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as far as other stuff, um, a lot of the uh, Plugin Alliance Brainwork stuff mm -hmm. I enjoy. Um, 
in particular, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. If I was sitting in front of my Reaper session right now, I could tell you all sorts of stuff. But they um, they have a few channel strip uh, plugins. Um, they're 9000J SSL. Mm -hmm. I really like. Mm -hmm. um, that goes on pretty much everything I do. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. If I'm thinking of like Desert Island stuff that I couldn't live without, as long as I had either ReQ or ProQ, ReComp, and a noise gate and some sort of saturator, whatever you could toss my way, mm -hmm. I could probably get by. Um, but you know, a lot of this stuff, first off, for anyone listening to this that's actually interested in the, you know, audio mixing and production side of things, no plugin is really going to make or break the quality of what you're doing. Um, by itself, right? Yeah. You can break it. Oh, you can absolutely <laughs> break it. And in fact, I think it's very common to um, get something with the hope that it's going to solve a problem yeah. you've been having and then not necessarily have it solve that problem. I'm very guilty of that. <laughs> oh, I am too. You know, if I, hell man, if I could get the money back I spend on a, every plugin I don't regularly use, yeah. I'd, I'd be able to make that album I was talking about. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Plugin Alliance stuff is great. Mm -hmm. Um Contact is something I use frequently. That's mm. more on the composing side of things, but mm -hmm. there's a lot of great stuff there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I could I could sit down and go into all sorts of stuff, but uh, the the stock Reaper stuff, Pro Q3, um, some of the Brainwork stuff, and um, some of the Native Instrument stuff besides Contact, they have a. Um, uh, an EQ called Solid EQ that I really like mm -hmm. um, for less clean EQing, mm -hmm. you know, just to put a bit of grit on it. Mm -hmm. And um, Newfangled Audio, which is, I think, owned by Isotope now, uh, has an incredible limiting and saturation suite called Elevate that I've been using a lot over the last six or seven months, and I really like that. But my advice to anyone out there is don't buy something to solve a problem. Um, don't buy something with the anticipation that you might use it later. Only buy it if you know you're actually going to fucking use it. Mm -hmm. And no matter why you buy something, read the fucking manual. <laughs> Front <laughs> to back. Find every YouTube video you can on how to use the thing. Um, I, I have been guilty of buying a plugin that I thought would fix a problem. It didn't fix it because I wasn't approaching this correctly and then found out that something I already had would have gotten me the results I wanted if I had just not been a stubborn piece of shit and had actually <laughs> read yeah. through the instructional materials. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a, a similar thing to mention is um, room treatment is very important for this stuff. Anyone that's looking to mix or master, you can only make it sound as good as you can work within the room you're listening in. Mm -hmm. And I know some people that do incredible work in relatively untreated rooms, but I think by and large... Um, if you're fighting against the sound your room is uh, imparting mm -hmm. on your recordings, mm -hmm. it's hard to make good mixing decisions and you're just going to be doing endless trips out to the car, out to different listening things, coming back, changing things, and that cycle will continue yeah. ad nauseum until you give up and stop recording until for two years. Until you get divorced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my life. <laughs> that's been one fun thing about living out on the East Coast after California is if it's December and you need to check a mix in a car, it's an entirely different animal. <laughs> yes. You know, you're out there and you're like, fuck, I can listen to like 20 seconds of this yeah. before I have to go back inside. You know? <laughs> do you, um, do you consider, I mean, things are always changing with technology, but like sure. a lot of people listen on their phones now or on their earbuds. You, you must take that into account when you're mixing, right? Very much so. Yeah. Um, in, in a few specific ways. Um, first off, mono compatibility is very important. Mm -hmm. um, if, uh, if things aren't set up properly to be audible in mono, you'll have unintended and unwanted effects. I found a, a clip online of something recently and I sent it to my buddies in the band because I'm like, look, this is the perfect example of it. And I don't know why they had processed it the way they had, but it was some clip of someone speaking at an award ceremony. And for some reason, the, the voice of the person speaking, which should be a mono signal straight up the middle, had been split into a stereo signal that was out of phase with itself mm. and the background music was centered. And so listening to uh -huh. it in stereo, it just sounded a little weird. But yeah. when I hit the mono button on my interface, all of the dialogue vanished. It was canceled. Canceled entirely. Wow. I'm not talking like, oh, it's muddy or you can't hear it. I'm like, you wouldn't know there was someone fucking talking wow. there. Um, so mono compatibility is very important. I'm a big proponent of when I start a mix, I set my rough levels and panning. And then for any equalization decisions, I make those almost entirely in mono. Mm -hmm. um, I think it helps things not step over each other. And it also, you know, I, I frequently will be switching to a shitty little alternate monitor speaker I have that, you know, more replicates the sound of a phone speaker because mm -hmm. I want to make sure that bass frequencies and kick and stuff like that um, are coming through. And uh, so, yeah, those are the two issues is uh, representation of the low end on a playback device that is notorious for not representing low end. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, listening on a mono only playback setting to make sure that your guitars don't disappear or your overheads vanish or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, you mentioned fab filter. Yes. Do you make use of, I'm guessing yes, I'm, uh, the mid-side processing separations? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's In fact, that's one of the main reasons I ended up buying Pro Q3 is it's, it's not that I didn't already have a mid-side EQ I liked, and it's not that I didn't already have a dynamic EQ I liked. Mm. Um, and I, I even have a, a good one for EQ matching, but... Pro-Q3 has it all in one package, which was very convenient and also limited uh, CPU load, which ends up being a, a concern yeah. on certain mixed projects. But um, yeah, mid-side stuff is great. I think it's um, uh, similar to multi-band compression. I think it's one of those things that when you're learning about this stuff and all of a sudden you realize, oh my God, multi-band compression is a thing or mid-side processing is a yeah. thing. It's easy to go nuts and do things that can be detrimental to a mix. But I also think it's a very useful tool, especially during mastering when mm -hmm. I have, you know, really no ability to go and, you know, uh, micromanage individual instruments and right. channels and that sort of mm -hmm. thing. Um, Midside's great. I love it. I recommend it. I, I am in support of that technology. <laughs> <laughs> when, when do you think they'll incorporate that into a re? Reaper stock plugin. I don't know if um, 
Well, first off, here's the thing. I think you can get it set up to do that with some clever routing, mm. either within the plugin itself or mm. by, you know, uh, creatively routing to different tracks. Mm. Um, I could be wrong on that. I haven't tried it. Um, I think I did. I was looking and I did. I think I saw where someone had set it up that way. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I think you're right. But it seemed like a bit of work to get it. That's the thing with Reaper and the stock plugins, there's not a whole lot you can't do with mm. it. It's just a question of, you know, is there a, a, a more efficient or um, more intuitive way to do it necessarily. Yeah. Um, but Reaper, like I said, they're constantly updating stuff. I mean, a couple of iterations ago, out of nowhere, they're just like, oh yeah, by the way, this new version has full video support. So you can do video editing and rendering. And it's like, you just toss that out there like it's not a big deal. <laughs> right. Holy shit. You yeah. Know? Yeah, um, yeah. This latest version, I don't know if you know this, but they just incorporated um, Delta uh, monitoring on all plugins. Mm. So what you can do is if you, uh, you know, the wet dry knob at the top of the plugin mm -hmm. there, if you go and alt click on that, all of a sudden, instead of hearing the signal, all you're hearing is what that plugin is impacting in the signal. So that's great. You yeah. know, like when you're setting high pass filters and stuff, um, especially if you don't have a super great monitoring environment, you can just set it to Delta, you know, slowly start advancing your high pass filter until you start hearing that low rumbling shit you're trying to cut. And there you go. Nice. So along those lines, I wouldn't be at all surprised if they, um, you know, just added that functionality to requeue in a future update. Mm. Um, in the meantime, there is a, um, a JS plugin that's free called I hate the naming of this because the, the Reaper stock one is R-E-A-E-Q. Yeah. And this one is called R-E-E-Q. Um, but you can find it for free online. It's something some guy developed that works with Reaper. And it, it mimics a lot of the Pro-Q, um, you know, quality of life things. Oh, nice. So, yeah. If you're not looking to drop 150 bucks on an EQ plugin, that's <laughs> one worth looking nice, at. Nice, nice. Yeah. I think I finally found one other person that 100% speaks your language. <laughs> well, right. it's good for me too, because I, <laughs> when, whenever I talk about this stuff at home, half of my brain is focused on talking and the other half is watching the look in my girlfriend's yeah. eyes. Go to like, bacon. Yeah. Where, where is the point that I can't push this anymore? <laughs> And That's when you call Ken. Yeah. <laughs> and she's, you know, she's into metal and stuff too. And, oh, you know, she cool. likes the audio stuff. She does her own um, whole series of uh, these um, these videos breaking down the lore and history of the Castlevania series and does some of her own audio production and stuff for that. So That's awesome. That's cool. We're both in good company in that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. nice. Yeah. All right. Back to me? Back to you. I'm sorry. I <laughs> went off on a question tangent about... Nerding, okay. nerding out on Reaper. That's all right. I had to run in the restroom, right. so it worked out. Um, okay, so we're going to do nonsense questions because we always have to end with that. But Let's do it. Before we do that, in closing, as far as Viking guitar goes, yes. like what's what's? I know you have something coming up that you can't really discuss yet. Mm -hmm. um, and we'll throw it on our page when you do announce it. But what like what's next that you can talk about? Any future plans? What's next that I can talk about? Um, well, I haven't announced this yet, but there's no reason not to. Um, I don't know uh, how much this will resonate with this audience because it's kind of a niche thing, but there is a, a composer by the name of Alexander Brandon. 
uh, who has been doing game composing for years. He also does voice acting. Uh, he was some some of the character voices in Skyrim, which I'm sure some people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did the soundtracks for Unreal Tournament and Deus Ex and a number of other games, including this old Windows DOS space shooter called Tyrion. And uh, Alex and I have known each other for a few years, and uh, the whole Viking guitar band is doing a pretty damn long medley of Tyrion music from the game. We've rearranged it uh, in our normal, you know, thrash, uh, new wave of British heavy metal style fare. And Alex is actually going to be playing a lot of the lead stuff on keyboards for us. So we're getting to collaborate with him. This is a a world exclusive announcement. You're the first to hear it. (laughs) That's awesome. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, we're, uh, we still have a bit of work to do on it, so it's not going to come out right away, but that's in the works. And uh, I'm trying to think of what else is actually coming up soon. Most of the work we've been doing lately, you know, we all do our own things, so we've been tied up in that stuff. And yeah. then um, we have these shows coming up that we're all very excited about, but we can't fucking announce yet, you know? Which is, is that like a tour um, type of thing? Or? I would love to call it that. It's not. <laughs> Just like a bunch of random shows? Yeah. Okay. Um, so right. we, uh, well, we're going to be playing at an unnamed event in Syracuse <laughs> um, in uh, October, and we'll be playing at another unnamed event in Pittsburgh in <laughs> early October. And then a third unnamed event in uh, the Baltimore area at the end of July. So if any of you listening to this are in those areas, and if anything I've talked about sounds intriguing, or if you want to come up to the merch table after the show and talk about nerdy recording stuff, (laughs) we'd love to see you there. I love it. Nice. (laughs) All right, kick off our uh, nonsense questions. Our nonsense. Okay. um, I'm ready. This isn't nonsense, but... This is this is a uh, pre nonsense. This is another plug-in question, isn't it? No, it's it? not. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's a it's a Pennsylvania question. Oh, okay. Have, have you been to Centralia? I have not been to Centralia. I'm going to go out on a limb here and ask if uh, this question is about the Silent Hill connection with Centralia. Yes. Well, sorta. Okay. I mean, we know about the connection now since we we talked about this. I don't know a few weeks ago on the show. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. But, no, uh, but I I've not been there. Can no. you actually go there? I don't know. I don't yeah. think you can legally. I, I, yeah. I well, think yeah. <laughs> the, the last we knew, there were still five people living there until they die, and then people aren't allowed to go there. To the the, the final keepers of the seal will yeah. have passed. And the I'm not sure why you'd want to live there. On us. Well, I don't know. Could be interesting. It could be, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why do you ask about Centralia? I'm very interested in why I don't know, how that just, came up. Okay. <laughs> I, don't, I guess it's the same because you were in Pennsylvania. So. Yeah. But it's kind of like when you tell someone from out of state, oh, I'm from New York, they automatically think you're from New York City. City, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's not yeah. a tiny, you know. Yeah. It's, it's fairly, not a huge state, but it's big enough for... Everything is not New York City. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this. When I when I um, was planning on moving out there and shortly after I moved out there, so I moved to Pittsburgh, which is very much on the western edge of the state. Mm-hmm. And I cannot tell you the number of times I had people from back home say, so how's Philly? And it's like, Philly's on the other side of the fucking state, dude. Like, I don't know how Philly is. You know? <laughs> so I, I hear you. <laughs> All right. 
On to the nonsense. You want me to start the nonsense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first nonsense question is, why isn't Reading, Pennsylvania, pronounced reading? Well, the word read, R-E-A-D, uh, also doubles as the word read mm. in past tense, so that would be my guess. Okay. That being said, you people out here, I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte, Virgin. <laughs> These yeah. are these are words that have proper pronunciations in the rest of the world. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. anyway, I'm just making making fun. But I no, I don't know. Um, it, I will say that you know living in a place in California, you grow up pronouncing things the way people pronounce them, and you don't fucking think about it. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you go somewhere else and you see similar situations where places are named with the spelling of words you think you're familiar with, yeah. and then you're the asshole saying, oh, I live in chilly New York yeah. instead of Chile, <laughs> you know? Um, so I don't know. I, I'm sure I could guess. I'm sure if we have a, uh, you know, um, ent not entomology, that's... Etymology? Etymology, there you go. <laughs> I'm a very educated person right here. Um, but uh, I'm sure we, if we have someone listening that uh, knows that, I'd love to hear about it, specific to Reading. Well, thanks for answering that. Um, that was a really good answer, was, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Absolute bullshit, that. start to finish. <laughs> the trick is you start talking and you don't stop until you've changed the subject. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, what's invisible that you wish people could see? Have you ever seen the movie um, From Beyond? From Beyond is based on an H.P. Lovecraft story, and it's about a guy that makes a machine that generates... Uh, waves that uh, stimulate the hypothalamus and the brain and you can see these invisible malevolent entities that are always around us but just outside of the spectrum of of human interaction uh so those aren't real if they were i'd want to know about them and be able to see them yeah um i think it would be neat to just be able to shift vision to a different realm of uh you know the light frequency range and just, you know, decide, you know what, I'm going to have a couple of beers tonight and just see everything in the infrared spectrum and just see how that goes. That's another fantastic question. That is a great answer. More bullshit. The <laughs> HP Lovecraft thing was to buy time. <laughs> <laughs> Hit uh, me with the next one. All right. Yeah. What is something that everybody looks stupid doing? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh man, there's so many answers to this. I'm not going to say, <laughs> uh, I, I think that dropping your keys outside of the car is something we've all experienced mm -hmm. and there's no way to gracefully recover mm -hmm. from it, especially if it's raining. Yeah. And it also doubles as just being one of those things that just makes you feel for at least the next few hours, like how the fuck do I even survive every day, you know? Yes. Or like biting your tongue or putting a shirt on inside out. It's like, wow, yeah. I haven't fucking done this every day in my goddamn <laughs> life and I'm still <laughs> screwing it up somehow. <laughs> it's kind of funny you say that because the other day I was sitting in my office and I'm like, why does it feel like I'm being choked? And I realized I had my shirt on backwards. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I, I was in a, a suit once um, at at a, an event where I couldn't easily disrobe and I went to the bathroom and you know, I don't wear a suit throughout the whole day. So I just put it on before leaving to this event. The, the important point being I had put it on and had not had to use the bathroom since I had put it on and unzipping your fly 
to realize that your underwear is on backwards (laughs) in a suit at an event with other people. And if you're wearing a suit, you're obviously, you know, they're trying to convince all these people that you're a professional in some capacity. (laughs) That's fun. That's real fun. I like that. I don't recommend it, but it's, it's worth a laugh. (laughs) Um, Okay. I feel like you're going to have a really good answer for this. What would be the first rule if you built your own island or society? Oh, man. Do you want a serious answer or a flippant answer? Both. (laughs) Uh, A serious answer, I I think that at the core of... I'm going to shift this into how would I uh, create the foundation of a new governmental or societal process. Um, Golden rule, absolutely 100% need to treat people the way you would want to be treated. Um, You know, obviously it's impossible to make that happen, but, you know, I think there's a reason that stuck around for so long. Yep. I'd love if that was actually integrated into a lot more policy on pretty much every level of local, state, national, world, (laughs) government interactions. Um, Flippant answer, uh, absolutely no Greek yogurt. I hate the smell of this stuff. Every time someone has one around me, it's all I can smell in my nose the rest of the day. Really? <laughs> yep. Do you like regular yogurt? Love regular yogurt. Greek, it's just Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt, right into the ocean. You can die out there with the fish. <laughs> so. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Th- that's the flippant answer. Just yeah. to clarify, that's not the actual Yeah, answer. yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. good. Yeah, I got good. you. I yeah. got you. There's some truth in there, though, right? Just enough. <laughs> That's a good answer. (laughs) I like these. You got any more? One more. You got to have one more. Oh, man. You have a ton of nonsense over there. Over here? Let's see. I'm talking about... Let me find one. In my head or on on the question? (laughs) In your head, not on the questions. Oh. Let's see. Uh... If not, no worries. I'm not trying to put you guys no, on the spot no, or no, anything. No, no, no. We could find one. Mm. How come when people ask what's the first thing you would bring to a deserted island, does nobody say a boat? Oh, I I think it's because there's just an assumption that uh, that you're deserted. Yeah, I think I think that. <laughs> When, when that question is asked, uh, people respond to what is the one thing you couldn't live without or is most important to you and not what is actually the one thing you'd have on a desert island, you know? Um, yeah, like logically. Yeah, yeah. you know. Um, it's like, you know, if, uh, if one of you comes home and says to the other one, what do you want for dinner? You know, I'm sure before you answer, a lot of things go through your mind. What do we have here? Does it make sense to go spend money on food? What's open right now? What's close? How's traffic? Greek yogurt. Greek yogurt, you know, if you want to get kicked out of the island. Um, but, you know, same thing. Like, that's, you know, that's a that's a more common question that I think uh, frequently, you know, you're you're looking at what is the intent behind the question instead yeah. of what is the question itself. So, yeah, desert island, boat, helicopter, all that stuff would be mm-hmm. great. Oh, helicopter? Yeah. Really, you know, solid jet ski I'd yeah. be fine with. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. <laughs> Come on. I pulled one out. You got one. You looked it up. No, I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I saw you fumbling around over there. <laughs> uh, 
Okay. Which orange came first, the fruit or the color? The fruit actually came first. I think the, the color was named after the fruit. Mm. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure. In fact, it's weird you ask that because I, uh, I I suffer from insomnia. And one of the things I've been listening to lately as I fall asleep are, are very pleasant, even-toned individuals talking about random nonsense facts. <laughs> so it's something that's not going to draw your attention enough to keep you awake, but it's, you know... Kind of just like having someone talk in the next room. And one of those useless facts recently that I heard was that. Oh. Now, this guy could be snowing me and <laughs> completely full of shit, and I'd never know. But that's what I think is the and case. You went in yeah. confident with that answer, yeah. so we're going to go with that. Like I said, confidence, start talking. Don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I appreciate your insomnia because I have a really hard time sleeping too. And I fall asleep to forensic files. Yes. I don't know if you've heard that guy's voice, but it's very soothing when you're trying to fall asleep yeah. and this guy is scared I'm going to kill him. He's in the very of the calm night. as he's talking about horrific murders. <laughs> well, you can't be worked up about that. It's <laughs> yeah. never going to get solved. <laughs> right. Come on. Um, no, I'll have to look into that. Thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. yeah. He's got a nice go to sleep voice. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll send you these uh, 30 minutes of, of useless facts. Yeah, I would once. love that. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> cool. I'm sure I'll come up with show content, too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a good inspiration for a lot of these questions. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, we want to thank you very much for coming to chat with us. Absolutely. Thank you guys for inviting me. This has been a blast. You're always welcome. Yeah, you are really open invite. Well, you guys have a cat. I'm never going to leave. Now, okay. So, yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. This has been great. And, and we can't hear about what's upcoming that you can't talk about, that we'll talk about later. Yes, next time we can. And I will, uh, I will forward links to you um, through uh, the Facebook Messenger Perfect. app when, uh, when things are, are public. I love the secrecy behind this because none of these are super huge. It's not like, yeah, we're playing Vakken. You know, it's like, yeah, we're <laughs> playing this little show in Syracuse, you know. <laughs> yeah, but, so, well, I like it, though. Yeah. It's build up. It's, it's going to be fun. Hmm. Yeah. Build up. And we hope to see you on April 24th. Yeah. I'm planning on making it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Sure. Thank you, guys. And I'm going to hit stop on record, and we're going to talk about those venues. Sounds good. All right. Okay. Well, I had a fine time talking to Eric. That was a great way to wrap up season six. Yes. He is a fine gentleman. He is. And um, I hope through our podcast it'll help a little bit in the local area to get his name out there yeah a little penetration yeah. yeah into the scene yeah yeah so let's wrap it up we All have right. one song left okay next week i'm flying solo i have special guests in the studio mm. uh, we're doing a, an ep release yep i have to go on a business trip yep you will not be here um, you have other obligations mm -hmm. that are more important than grim dystopian. Mm -hmm. So right. I'm I'm stepping up to the plate and I'm taking this one Go, solo. Got to pay the bills. <laughs> 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 All right, what's this last song we're hearing? This last song is another fine song by Viking Guitar. Deliquescing seepage. Very nice. Until next time. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Don't be an asshole. And. Absolutely no Greek yogurt.